Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries Podcast. You're about to listen to another message from Pastor Isaac Worley. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. We're in a new mini-series, though I know we're going through the book of Philippians verse by verse, right? That's really long, but we try to make it less overwhelming because it's a bunch of mini-series. So who remembers the last two series that we've gone through since being in the book of Philippians? You guys remember? Nope, nope, nope. Huh? Okay, love was the first one. Not giving. Not forgiving. Yes? Unity. Well, you preached in that series, right? Yeah, you cheater. <laughs> so we talked about love. That was the first topic. Now, the second topic, we talked about unity, being unified as the body of Christ, right? Linking arms. You guys remember that? Red Rover, spiritual Red Rover. Um, now, this week, we are starting a new series on the topic of obedience. And what, is, mm, what does obedience mean and what does it look like in our faith walk uh, because I think a lot of us misunderstand uh, and uh, wrongly apply, if I can say, obedience to your, your relationship with God. Um, so I've already prayed. I'm not going to pray again, but let me tell you what I am currently in my spirit praying for you, and I have been this week. I am praying that there's, I know there's somebody and multiple people in this room right now that need to hear what the verses we're about to read are saying. And my prayer is, in my spirit right now, my prayer to God is that you would hear what he has to say about obedience and it would set you free from maybe guilt that you're holding on to. It would set you free from anxiety that you might be wrestling with because you're just not hitting the mark. It might push you or motivate you or encourage you to live more passionately, to motivate you to um, strive for obedience, maybe more than you are right now. Maybe you're stagnant or just kind of numb to or don't really care about being obedient. I pray that this would motivate you to be obedient, but doing it in a healthy way and in a way that isn't baggage and weighing you down and it's not stressful because that's the kind of obedience that Christianity truly is if you understand it properly. Tonight we're going to be talking about obedience and just, just starting uh, the series on obedience. So today, to give you a little rundown, okay, this is what the series is going to look like. Today, we're going to be introducing obedience and how it relates to our lives, our Christian lives particularly. Next time, not next week, next time, because next week is Thanksgiving, next time we're going to hear our very own, the uh, intern, that just sounds so like grading. I don't know the intern. No, we're going to be hearing from Jackson Salazar, um, and he's going to be talking about the heart really generally. I mean, I'm summarizing what he's going to be preaching. He can do whatever he wants with the text, but it talks about the heart that we should have and our obedience. So we're talking about tonight, introduction to obedience, then the heart behind obedience, and then um, the third week, the, the last week of this series is going to be two godly examples that live out obedience in their Christian lives. Um, spoiler alert, it's Timothy and Epaphroditus. I've already given it away. Great. You still have to show up. There's a lot to say about those guys. But um, this is our series on obedience through the book of Philippians. Let me read the text. It's really short tonight. Let me read the text, and we're going to jump in. You guys ready? 
Have your Bibles open, your journals open. Let's read the text. And yes, it is down low, and there is a reason for that. Just bear with me. This is what he says. This is Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and verse 13. Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but also more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's really short, really simple. It is so dense with so much theology. I've actually heard preachers say that these two verses are the most important and crucial verses in all the New Testament. I've heard preachers say that. I heard somebody talk about that this week. These are huge when it comes to understanding the gospel in its entirety. This, these are some dense sentences, and we're going to look at them tonight. Um, but help me out here, okay? A little crowd participation. Actually, we're going to have that a few times throughout tonight. What is Paul's main command in this, okay? What is his main command? What does he want them to do in this? Can you point out the words that are his main command? What's he telling them to do? Who is that? Yeah, go for it, Valerie. Girl, the spirit is in you. Oh, he just spoke. Work out your own salvation. So that is what his main command in this is. What he's telling them and therefore what he's telling us is to work out your salvation. What in the world does that mean? Well, I think it kind of is tied to at the very beginning. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, as you already have been obeying, now, not only in my presence, but also more in my absence, work out your salvation. So as you've always been obeying, work out your salvation. So I think he's saying, live like you're saved. Work like you're a saved person. Strive and live like a holy person that is saved. So work out your salvation is, I think, directly tied to as you have always obeyed. So working out your salvation is obedience, is living like you are saved. So this is the main point that Paul is saying here, is work out your salvation, obey, live in obedience. This is what I'm, I'm challenging you to do. Here's the problem, you guys ready? We misunderstand what obedience is so much of the time. You do, I do, Christianity does. The American church has so confused obedience um, and actually I want us to do like a little self-test okay you may misunderstand obedience if keep a tally in your fingers all right I want to see some numbers by the end of these few things keep a tally if this relates to you keep a tally okay you may understand obe- misunderstand obedience if you regularly feel guilty because you aren't obeying well enough you, or you live in fairly, uh, a fairly regular state of guilt. Okay, hope you're keeping tally. You may misunderstand obedience if you don't feel like you can be open with others when you're not living right. How are you guys doing so far? Two for two? No, he's like, no, not me. <laughs> you may misunderstand obedience if you feel overwhelmed at the daunting task of obeying all that the Bible expects. If you just read this book and you're like, oh my goodness, how can I do all this stuff? There's so much. And whenever I start to get this down, I've got this now to figure out too, and it's just constantly something I need to grow at and be better at. You may misunderstand obedience if 
Christianity feels more like a chore or a burden to you than a freedom. You may misunderstand Christian obedience, if that's true. On the other hand, okay, on the other hand, you may misunderstand obedience if Christianity is a place of pride in your life because you're better than most. So not that you're terrible at it and it's just a chore, but you may misunderstand obedience if you feel like you're great at it and it's a place of pride that you can really flaunt how great you are in front of other Christians. You misunderstand obedience if that's you. Last, you may misunderstand obedience if you feel like it's all up to you to make it work. You feel like it's all on your shoulders. Now, how are you guys doing? Give me some numbers. How many, how many applied to you? One applied to you. Two, three, four, five. Man, we're just counting. Who got six? I'm sorry, no. <laughs> three, two. So I think it's fair to say, even the ones, we all in some way misunderstand what obedience is supposed to look like in our lives. That's just, that's just true. Five, dang, yeah. This is for you. This is for you, this sermon. We must understand obedience, and I think in two major ways, okay? Two major ways. We often misunderstand. One, why we should obey God. And that's what this text is talking about. If we were to lump all those things that we were just saying, we misunderstand obedience, and if we lumped all those together, I think it comes out in two major ways. The first one is why we even obey God. The motive why do you wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm going to live my Christian life. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going, to, I'm going to really work at being a good Christian. What is your motive behind that? Why do you feel like you need to do that? Why do you feel that urge in you? Is it propelled by guilt, by stress, by a need for acceptance from God? What is your motivation to be to be obedient. The second thing that we often misunderstand is not why, but how we can obey God. How we obey God. How does it even happen that we are able to conquer sin? And this one isn't as commonly talked about. We talk about all the time, make sure that you are um, not saved by works, but you're doing works because it's a fruit of righteousness. Right? We're always talking about why you should obey. But we actually don't talk very much about how we misunderstand how we're able to do that, how we're able to conquer sin. If you are struggling with conquering sin right now, which we all are, we never talk about very much uh, how we're able to even overcome those sins. I think a lot of the times we misunderstand how we're able to do that and how that can come about. I think sometimes we feel like we have to white-knuckle it and really push hard and just do better, and that's just how you do it. We misunderstand how you obey God. There's a better way to obeying a God than just white-knuckling it and just really working hard. Something so much better. So these are the two ways that we misunderstand. Paperclip on the floor, watch out. There, we misunderstand obedience in two major ways. Why and how. Let's look at the first one. Why you obey God. Um, yes, you should obey, right? Everyone good with me? Yeah, we all agree we should obey. If you are a Christian, I think, I think we would all say yes, you should obey God. But what makes you feel like you need to do that? is a huge question. It makes a big difference. Let me give you an example, okay? My dad, um, I was always just always wanting to make my dad happy. And I worked hard for my dad. I went and like slaved away in the summers working for him. Um, during school, I did all the sports that he did when he was in high school. And I just wanted to please my dad. I wanted to um, impress my dad. I wanted my dad to be proud of me. Um, and that's actually led into a lot of issues in my life even today. Um, I just craved my dad's acceptance, okay? 
Um, let's land that out there for you guys. Maybe you guys can relate to that, uh, wanting your, your parents' acceptance and, and striving for it. Well, that was me. Um, so I worked hard for my dad in sports. I worked hard for my dad in training. I worked hard for my dad when I was out um, uh, working. He, had, he owned a company, and so I worked for him uh, whenever I could, and I worked so hard. And actually, I did really well at it. Uh, a lot of people would come up and, uh, and tell my dad, man, you have a hardworking son. Like, his work ethic is just way above um, other people. That's not like to flaunt myself. Like, um, people would say that. I worked hard. But why did I work hard? Actually enslaved me, and it killed me on the inside. And it stressed me out, and it worried me every single day. Um, there was many nights where I cried, and, and you know, like, I don't have to be like all weighty and serious on the front end of the sermon, but like, um, it was a big deal to me, and I would go to my mom, and uh, I remember one day specifically, I told her, like, I just, I, I need to do this, uh, he wanted me to like work on like an early Saturday, and I just wanted to sleep, and I was exhausted, and I was like, I have to, because he's going to be disappointed if I don't, and, uh, and then later on, it was a big deal, I wanted to quit soccer, and um, I didn't feel like I could, because I'd disappoint him. So I would just, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to white knuckle it, go through the season, because I need to make him proud. That was my motivation. That was my why. That was my why for, for obeying or doing what my dad wanted me to do. And you know what? It was so freeing the day that I told my dad that. And he said, it doesn't matter if you play soccer or you play football or you don't do any of those things or you just read every day. Um, it doesn't matter if you get up early in the morning on a Saturday and work with me. I love you regardless. Do you know how freeing that was for me? Oh my goodness. I didn't actually think it was true. I didn't think it was real because it was such a big deal to me. I still wanted to work hard for my dad, but tell, I, I will tell you what, my motivation for working hard for my dad thus um, forward was so freeing. I was working hard for my dad, not for his approval, but because I already had it and because I loved my dad. That's why I worked hard for my dad. I just, I loved him. And I wanted, to, I wanted to do that for him. Before, I was enslaved and I was exhausted and I was stressed out and I was worried that I was always gonna lose his approval. Your why makes a big difference. Your why makes a big difference when it comes to God. Um, if you are obeying God, hear this, please. If you are obeying God today because you are scared that he won't love you otherwise, He'll stop loving you. You need to hear this. God only loves you because he chose to love you. In fact, there is nobody that has ever lived or will ever live that has convinced God to love them. You can't do it. You can't convince God to love you. He only loves you because he chose to love you. And if that's you that you're struggling with that, I think you really need to memorize this. This is um, Ephesians 2, 8. Um, actually, you want to read it with me real quick? Ready? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. I stumbled there, but you kept me going. Memorize that. If you feel like you are working to impress God or to keep his love, memorize this. Your salvation has nothing to do with God's love for you, God's acceptance for you has nothing to do with what you are able to do or not able to do. It has everything to do with God just gifting you his love because he loves you and he chose to give that to you. 
You need to hear that. Your why in obeying God should not be because you want God's love to continue for you. So why in the world does Paul tell us to obey? Why does Paul tell us that we need to obey, we need to listen, and we need to work hard to love God? Because we do. We need to. But why? Why? It's not because of his acceptance. I think it has everything to do with that word there, therefore. Therefore, obey. As you always have obeyed, continue to work out your salvation. Continue to work like you're a saved person. So that therefore tells us the reason why he wants us to obey. You guys tracking with me? Therefore, obey. So what's the reason that's telling us to obey? Let me read it. It's verses 10 and 11, just the two verses before. He says, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, obey. Therefore, obey. So your why or your motive for obeying God has nothing to do with seeking his approval, and it has everything to do with recognizing his lordship over everything. You hear that? When you realize that God is so magnificent, and God is so big, and he holds the world in his hand, he's so big. And that is a snap of a finger Everybody in Springfield and Missouri and the United States, India, China, Canada, everywhere that has, has ever lived, will ever live, will all bow. They have no choice because he said so, because he told them to. That is the power of Jesus. Knowing that power is what should lead you to say, I wanna, I'm going to obey you because you are worthy of my obedience. Does that make sense? Your why should be realizing he is a big, big God. He's a big God and he is Lord and he deserves to be Lord over your life and everyone else's. Realizing how big God is, how incredible God is, how much God demands of you and how much he demands of me. Realizing how magnificent he is should lead to you saying, I will give my life to you. Because I see your godness, if that's a word. I don't think it is. But it is, recognizing God's godness, his amazingness, how big he is, that should, that should be your why. Let me, go, let me say this real quick. If you recognize Jesus' lordship over you, you will do two things. Ready? Your obedience will be with fear and trembling. If you recognize his lordship, how big he is, how powerful he is, your obedience will have it's like attribute of fear and trembling from him. This fear of how powerful he is, how big he is, this trembling of how real God is. Your obedience will be with this fear and trembling. Now, this is not like, um, let, me, let me describe this fear and trembling, okay? This fear and trembling is not uh, like, a, like an abused puppy is terrified to go anywhere near his master, Right? Um, Sarah, actually, her parents have this recovery dog. Is it recovery? That's not what it's called. What is it called? Rescue dog, not recovery dog. Our word, I got it. Um, recover, not recovery. Rescue dog, got it that time. Her family has a rescue dog, and it, it had a, a history of abuse, they assume, because anytime I go near it, like, I walk in the room, it bolts for the door. It's terrified of me, and I don't feel like I, if I look, too. No, um, whatever it is, it's terrified. Like, but like you can like move the grill cover off the grill, and it's like, you know, like terrified. Some something in its past 
involved a girl, girl cover. I'm just calling it right now because it's terrified. Honestly, it's terrified. And that is not the kind of fear that, that God wants us to have with him. At any time he would walk in the room, we would run away because we don't want to have anything to do with him. That's not the kind of fear he wants. This fear and trembling has more to do with the recognizing his power, his capacity to do what he wants to do, and it's this reverent fear of recognizing, oh my goodness, you know, and you just realize what he is capable of, and it leads to this fear and trembling. Not like you're scared that he's going to turn on you and attack you any next second, but it's just this realization of his power. I actually, uh, can I give you a second dog analogy? It's just all about these dog analogies right now. Um, I heard another pastor, John Piper, talked about this dog analogy, and I think it's a good one to talk about realizing God's fear or, or having this fear of God. John Piper uses this, and he says it's like um, a little child. Um, he, he sees this big dog, and you're, you're comfortable to run up and just hug on it and love him, but it's a, this huge dog. Um, and actually, this is a true story that John Piper was telling. And, uh, and his, it was his friend's dog. But John Piper's son turned around and started running away to go play like, with a ball or something. And the dog started barking like crazy. And, and uh, the owner said, oh, yeah, no, he doesn't like it when you run away from him. So uh, hug on him and he'll lick on you like crazy, but he hates it when you run away from him. And that terrified the child. And I think that's a fair representation of our fear that should be with God. We can love on God and hug on God, but there is something to be feared when you run away from God and you don't live for him. We're lying to ourselves if there's not. He is a powerful God that hates it when you run away from him. There's something to be feared, to realize, to know. So that's the kind of fear to realize the capacity that God has and to be just to revere him for that. That's what you do whenever you recognize his lordship in your life. Second, when you recognize his lordship in your life, you will live for his good pleasure. Not for yours, not for what you want, but for what he wants. And this is an unpopular opinion <laughs> to say, you know what, God, whatever you want, not what I want. I'll live for you, not for me. But when you realize that he is Lord and he's greater than everyone, everything else and he's powerful, you will not live for your pleasure, but you will live for whatever he wants. And if your desires collide with his desires and they're not the same, they don't line up, we need to pick his. And you might say, right, you might say, no, God would never make me not do something I don't want to do. Like He would never call me to a mission field that I don't want to be at. Talk to Jonah. Just take it up with Jonah. That's all I'm going to say. Take it up with Jonah because he does and he will and you should always go with what he says, not with what you want. This is what recognizing God's lordship in your life looks like and that should propel you to live for him. That should be your why, okay? The outcome of obeying him because his lordship rather than because you need his acceptance leads you to freedom, to a love, to a joy, for living for him, and it's not slavery because you already have his acceptance. You already have his love. You're not worried every single day. Live for God, obey God, but do it because you recognize how great he is, not because you feel like you need to to earn his love. It's a big difference. So why we obey, but we also misunderstand how we can obey God. Um, again, like I said, this is something we don't always talk about. 
how you and I are able to conquer the sin in our lives. And I think this is something that you need to hear truly. If you are struggling with sin, which all of us do, and you're wrestling with what remedy works, you guys know what I'm talking about? What strategy can I take? What front can I take on the sin that's in my life? How can I beat this sin? You might misunderstand how you're able to obey and to live for God in a holy way. You might misunderstand how you can even do that. You might run in circles, trying to white-knuckle it and just beat yourself in a submission. That's what many of us do. You may confuse, you might, you might be confused about this, how you're able to obey God if, you ready for this? This was from before. If you feel overwhelmed at the task of obeying everything that the Bible asks. If that is you, if you feel overwhelmed, if you are just overwhelmed by the daunting task of all the things that you need to do in the Bible, you misunderstand obedience. If you are overwhelmed, if that's you, if you are overwhelmed by all the commands in the Bible, this is for you. You just are misunderstanding how you can obey God. Or if, second one, if you feel like it's all up to you to make this work, to make your obedience work, to be the, uh, the obedient uh, child of God, if that's you, if you feel like it's all up to you, you're misunderstanding what obedience really is. Why do I say that? Let's look at the text real quick. It's the very end. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. This, this is how you and I conquer sin. This is how you and I are able to obey God. This is how you and I can break the bondage of various sins in our lives. He's our strength. He is the one that empowers us. He is the one how we are able to grow in our righteousness. If you feel like you are your ticket to obeying God, you're not gonna do very well. I promise you. You will keep in the cycle of your sin. But if you feel like God is your strength and your ability to do it, you will. Now, can I tell you guys this real quick before, um, before we wrap up? Yes, you must still work and fight for your relationship with God. That is essential. If you feel like you can just sit back, recline, and you're lazy boy and let God do all the work in your life and destroying all the sin, uh, that, that is not the right way to understand it. Actually, look at this. Hebrews 12 14 says, strive, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive. You have to fight to be holy. You have to fight. You have to work. You have to toil to be a holy person. It takes work. Christianity is not easy. If anyone's ever told you that, they've lied to you. Christianity is hard work. You have to strive and fight. Or what about this? Luke 13, verse 23 and 24. Someone said to Jesus, Lord, well, those who, uh, uh, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. It takes work to obey God. But hear, me, hear this, okay? You're not alone in it. In that hard work, the toiling, the wrestling, the sin that you just can't break. Hear me. You are not alone. Look at this, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He gives us the spirit within us to work, to toil, to strive, to fight, to be more holy. I figured I'd finish with this. The uh, little honesty hour, okay? Honesty hour. I struggle 
to ask for help. I really do. I, I struggle to ask for help. I'm not good at it. Um, ask Pastor Nick. He works with me. Uh, ask my wife. She lives with me. Um, I, I honestly, I, I think it's rooted in pride maybe. Uh, maybe you can relate with me on this. I pray you do because I'm standing up here just being vulnerable. So. <laughs> but I, I struggle um, asking for help. I'm really I'm not good at it. Um, whenever I'm working on projects at work, I don't, I don't often tell my teammates um, when it's something they clearly can help me with. Um, uh, I mean, you can even ask um, my leadership team. Uh, I'm really bad sometimes at asking for help and asking for collaboration. It's a weakness that I think I should be able to put in front of everybody else. That is a weakness of mine. We have to identify our weaknesses, right? That's one of mine. Asking for help with my team. Um, You know, this bleeds into my Christian obedience as well. Thinking that living for God and obeying him, trying to be a holy person, I feel like sometimes all that's on my shoulders as well. And I'm really bad at recognizing that it's not just me. But recognizing that God is also there with me and he's strengthening me and he's empowering me. And it's not all in my might and my strength. I'm really bad for asking help and I'm really bad for recognizing that there are people that are wanting to help me. And my Christian obedience It's not just me, and in your Christian obedience, it is not just you. It is not just you. You are not alone. This doesn't give us permit to quit fighting. You have to toil, you have to strive, you have to work hard. But it does give you a peace of mind to know that the powerful God that is Lord over everything is partnering with you in your sin struggle. And he's fighting with you in it. Don't misunderstand how you're able to conquer sin. It's not in yourself. It's with the power of God. And whenever you realize that, you are freed to know not all of it's on you. You can just rest. You can work, but rest, knowing you're not alone. Does that make sense? That's a huge, huge deal. Um, if you guys want to start spreading out, uh, we, can, we can kill the lights. Um, just find a place uh, here and, and, and just spend some time with God. I want to give you one final command, one charge, one encouragement, if you will. Fight to please God in how you live. Even with your moving, make sure you hear this. Fight to please God. Fight to obey God. But know why you're doing it. It's not because you need acceptance, but because he is praiseworthy. Know why you are fighting to obey God. It's because he is praiseworthy. And know how you're able to praise God or to, to obey God. It's not in your own power, but it is in his. Fight for it, but know why and know how. That's so important. It's so important. That will free you from guilt, from fear, from worry, from a need for acceptance. And it will lead to a joyful Christianity. One that wants to live for God because he has already loved you and because he is a praiseworthy God. And he is standing right next to you in your fight against sin. That is so freeing to know. I pray you hear that and I pray you embrace that tonight. Uh, We can start the music. Just spend some time thinking through this and how you can fight sin but in a way that God wants you to. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at ecchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.